0: Welcome to Functional Design Enclosure. I'm Christoph Newman. And I am Nate Jones. Each week, we get together and we talk about a software design problem and how we might solve it using functional principles and the closure programming language. So, Nate, what are we going to be talking about this week?
1: Well, Christoph, uh, last week we we, we 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 learned to embrace the REPL. We learned to... <laughs> yes. ...how to... Uh, not not restart it that restarting is an anti-pattern and so i thought this week let's let's continue our our exploration of of this 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 power that we have of being able to deal with a, a program that's running um and i think as a good example uh let's 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 go back to our first our first story the one that we the one that launched the podcast uh uh with that which was the tic-tac-toe game and
0: uh oh yeah sure
1: yeah, so that that was that was a pretty simple simple game that we had. Um, and we got it to the point where we actually had were able to play it with each other over the internet, so to speak, by by exposing a um, uh, a um, a web endpoint so that we can send commands, so we could send turns into it. And so so I want to say, let's start with that. And you know, so now we have okay. the application running. You know, we started the REPL, we call main. It launches the web server and we're able to play. And uh, sure, but, but what I, what I would like to do is is I want to have a log every time there's a play done, so that I can see kind of a record and make sure that a that the web server is running, um, but also uh, to know when things happen, so that I can kind of get a cadence of it. So it's kind of outside the the data of the application. Lo- I just want to I want to inject logging in like the a
0: log of moves, like a like a file that logs all the moves um uh, maybe
1: more like a web server access log um just like hey i got from this, oh, this ip that address kind of log yeah this ip address sent me you know move to position 2 2 comma 2 or whatever you know
0: yeah yeah so just like you're talking about just l- printing things out to the terminal right like like that kind of log like logging something out to the terminal yeah like an application log um not not okay, like a, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I think that uh, so 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 we open our editor, we got our code in there, we got we lo- we launched the REPL, we we run main, um, and 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 because we can, you know, as we learned last time, you can kind of you can you can change the way that the the app is running. Um, I I so maybe we should do a, a talk about a little bit of the structure. So main launches uh, the ALF web server, which. In response to every request that it gets, it just calls a function. I think we called it a handler. Um,
0: well, so, it, yeah. So, we were using Composure, right? Oh, and com- right. Composure is a ring right. compliant. And so, that's like the standard in, in Clojure or the the de facto. And so, yeah. So, we're using Composure. And Composure lets us map uh, a request route, a request path, if you will, to the function that's supposed to handle this incoming request, right? And so then it, it passes arguments to that handler function, all the details of the request. So, so basically kind of the only takeaway, like go back and listen to the episode, I think it's episode four, uh, that where we kind of get into all the particulars. But the takeaway is a web request comes in through the ALF web server, through Composure, and lands in this function. This function's gonna get called with all the details. So it, it seems like there's some fancy, you know, middleware type thing you could do for logging, but maybe the most direct, I just want to print something out when something happens is just adding some kind of like log statement or print line in that handler function. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think that makes the most sense. Uh, Cause then, then we can, it, it's basically, it's the first point of control that we have on every request. Um, and And it's pretty straightforward to do so. So we could just we just add that log line, right? We just we we just say like print lin, you know, or whatever at the top of that function, and we have all the details there. So we pull out the IP address and the the move and you know the phase of the moon or whatever else we can get out of the request and we print it out, right? Right. But the but the question is then, how do I get that into the running code? Because so to speak, in, in the REPL we, we we ran main, so we we kind of have lost the REPL a bit. Um, Maybe maybe we well, can so, run this. So yeah. the
0: Kristoff from yesteryear, <laughs> the Christoph that, that we spent some time with in, in the last episode, the Christoph that kept misunderstanding the REPL over and over again, that right. Christoph would edit that handler function, right? And then like compile this thing from, you know, grains of sand and then run the output jar and and then, you know, try to take my best shot at getting the right logging statement the first time because, you know, going through that compile run loop, oof, takes a long time. Then maybe the more enlightened Christoph would after a while realize, oh, okay, I can like reload the namespace or something, right? So I just I'd reload the namespace. But like, do I need to restart it? Like that, that's what, what's way. that gonna do? That's that's one way we could do it, but how about if we just
1: just in our editor, just copy the whole uh, deafen handler function and just paste it into the REPL.
0: But what's it? that gonna do?
1: Well, it's gonna it's gonna it, well we can just all, all the all the functions they're just they're just uh, well I guess we'd have to change the namespace first. But what that's gonna do is it's going to create a new handler um, implementation and override the um, the handler uh, reference in the namespace there.
0: Okay, so so we have a handler function, and it's in our, in our main file there, because we put all this stuff in main. Right. And so we're going to like highlight that in our editor. We're going to, to add the print line or whatever. And then, so how did we get, well, let's backtrack a little, because how did how did we start this thing in the first place? How did we get it running, right? So we, we ran line REPL, and now here we are at the REPL prompt and then then what did we do to get it running Well, i think we just ran the main function right so we, right. we had to we had to go into we had to use that namespace like use the app.main namespace mm-hmm. i think is what we called re- it or, require it yeah 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 and then we we ran the main function and so then when the main function ran in our repl there it will basically never come back because it's going to launch the web server and, and right. block it. Well, actually, no, it just launches a web server. Uh, yeah, and block and wait for it to finish, you know? So, right. so, so we
1: actually don't have a REPL to, to type anything into.
0: Right. So I think we got to run this web server just and let it kind of fork its own thread off. So, so let's, let's say we have a start function. All it does is launch the web server, and we, we can just make that start function in main. So it's going to launch a web server. The web server is going to fork its own thread. It's often running in the background. Great. We have our REPL prompt back.
1: Yes, we are back to, back to the power.
0: Okay. And so we define this handler function in main, and we want to edit this handler function in our file. And then you're, you're suggesting, why don't we copy and paste the handler function into the REPL um, while we're in that main namespace. Yeah, definitely.
1: So what that's going to do is just going to overwrite the handler that's already there. And and because closure is dynamic, every time the composure handler calls the handle function, it's going to now call our new one with the log. And, and what that's going to allow us to do is to uh, iterate on our function a lot faster. You know, say we want to add a new bit of the request into it, or we don't like the way that it formatted the IP, or something like that. We can just keep, we can edit and then copy and paste, edit and copy and paste, and 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 keep reevaluating that chunk of code. Um, to
0: okay, to s- so maybe maybe this would be a good time to do a a quick segue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why on earth does copying and pasting a function into the REPL let you? Overwrite the definition. Like, doesn't that function need to just like it's like you have a source file, right? You have the source file and then it has all of your code in there. So, like, for I'm thinking in Java, right? Like, you have your class definition file. And if you want to make changes to that class, you need to edit the file and then you need to like recompile. If Java had a REPL, I don't know, maybe it does. I don't know if a Java REPL, like, like you're saying I could just take the class definition and copy and paste it and then somehow like dynamically redeclare this thing like effectively that's kind of what you're doing in closure you're just taking a function and pasting it into the repl and it's like dynamically like redeclaring that it doesn't need to be embedded in the middle of all that other code now that's the nice thing is that uh you know in effect
1: namespace so when you when you run defn in the in the repl what that does is it is it makes a new function I mean, I'm sure it's an object under the hood. It's a new a new function, bit of thing, and it takes that and it as, it associates it with that name inside whatever namespace you're currently in. Like if you're in the REPL and you just start star and s star, it'll tell you what namespace you're in. I mean, the prompt usually tells you too. But that's how Defin knows what what namespace you want to you want to put this function in, and if that namespace already has that function defined, well, that that. That that pointer, it's essentially just it's a it's a ref, right? I think, and it just it just points to whatever implementation you have. And so when you run n again with the same name, it just takes it tosses the old one out the window and it puts the new one in its place.
0: Okay, so I think maybe we should segue <laughs> in our segue <laughs> if we're not too inception here. So so I think something you said. I think there's an underlying assumption. Like you're running DefIn and, and, and running Defin actually does the declaration, right? So so like the key thing here that I didn't understand way back when I was first learning this with a REPL is like Lisp is is really different than maybe some of these other compiled languages that you've used before, right? It doesn't like in a programming language, in it's real typical programming language, it parses the source file and it finds all these declarations, like this declaration syntax, and then it finds all these expressions, right? And like declaration syntax is special and different in some way. It's how you, you make symbols available, and then the compiler knows about these symbols, and it, and it can do things with them, right? It can do forward references, it can do references across files, et cetera, et cetera. But list it, Lisp is different, like that defn function, or the def function, that's just a function like any other function it's just a form right it's a macro if we want to get like real specific and it's a special macro it's a built in right but but the act of running that macro is what makes it defined so it's almost like if if you've used like javascript or or another language like perl where that's totally dynamic like like as it as it's going through the lines of the file and it's executing the statements Things are getting defined like as they get executed, right? It's like that kind of model in Lisp, where yeah, when it runs the def and when it runs like the the declaration function, at that point in time, poof, this thing pops into that namespace, right? And I think you made the point where like the namespace is just a symbol that points to this this thing in memory, right? It's a function. Or it's a string, like if you def, or it's a constant. You know, it's a thing in memory. Yeah, yeah,
1: it totally. It's it's kind of like so that we talk a lot about how you write closure in closure's own data structure syntax, um, and that being a lot of the coolness of it is that you know macros are really cool because you you're just editing code like you're editing data structures. But I think that one of the really cool th- aha things is that is that. There's no like special compilation you know that's now immutable in closure, like it is in a lot of other languages like Java or you know go right it, it it's more it's it's dynamic to the end. it's every every statement right. is modifying the running application, and because every statement has access to the entire running application all the way down to the definitions, it it you can right. then redefine on the fly. As many yeah, times you, as you can want.
0: actually just go get a reference to the namespace. You can iterate it like a map and get all the symbols in it and you can, you can remove things, <laughs> right? Like closure does have mutation under the hood, right? Like it's obviously not encouraged, but, but like Devin mutates that namespace map, right? Like Devin basically says, okay, I'm going to replace the symbol that's in this map of symbols in this namespace with, it and it's right. going to point to this new thing in memory. So that's why you can copy and paste this function into the REPL. And and then whatever namespace you're in, when you rerun Def In there, it will make a new function object. It will put it in memory and it will update the symbol table to point to that now. Like right then and there. As soon as you evaluate it, it's done. So now it's like the thing. So if anything else calls that function, it's gonna call this new one that you just like installed in place, right? You like. You just replace the wheels on the car while you were driving, <laughs> right? Something needs yeah. a wheel. Now like, it's going to use the new wheel that you just put on, right?
1: <laughs> and the nice thing is like last week we talked a little bit about being able to reload entire namespaces, but, you know, it's like I, I made a whole new car while I was driving, but now I can. it's like I can just right. replace just the window or just the steering wheel or, you know, but and, and and, you know, I can replace the steering wheel and my hands don't even realize that it's calling a new steering wheel. I mean, to really stretch the metaphor right. a little too far
0: yeah, sure <laughs> yeah We swapped out the steering wheel and your hands didn't even notice that the steering wheel changed <laughs> right? Right and So so, so yeah, when you reload the whole namespace, what it's doing is it's going to the top of the file and it's evaluating each of the forms that are in that file like one at one form at a time and then and then the effect of that form occurs. And then um, by the time you get to the file, well now everything's defined. Like that's why you can't really do forward references in Clojure, right? You have to you have to have an intermediate def uh, for a forward reference, and, and that's why you can't do circular references, right? Because the 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 thing that you're referring to doesn't exist yet because that form hasn't been evaluated later on in the file, right? So it's really super important. Like for me, I got totally stuck on this. Super duper important to understand that running the form is what dynamically Brings this thing into existence, and now it's available for use, or replaces the one that was already there. And that, and that's the
1: cool thing is that you, you not only are you able to do uh, to replace it. It's like that's that's it's 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 the way that you get things done. Like the way it's it's actually the way that you can speed your development up. You can replace these functions on the fly.
0: Oh yeah, because you're iterating, right? You're iterating on a function, so you, you edit the function and then you you copy and paste it in the repl and you just replace that one function
1: yeah yeah okay so now so now we now we're 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 iterating on this function so we we, we, we get the uh but the problem is you have to copy and paste the function every single time like then right. you, and your repl history ends up and you know our function is kind of small so it's not so bad but what if we had a function that was like you know 30 lines long <laughs> i mean you don't really have those long functions right. in closure but um you end up with a lot of extra stuff cruft in your REPL again. So it kind of points you that eh, there's so, not the real best way to do it, you know?
0: Well, I so I think what you need to do is you need to use terminal automation to help you copy and paste the function out of your editor and into the REPL faster, right? Because <laughs> it's kind of like with our auto builder like what we need to do the right way to do the right way to do software is to compile it from grains of sand each and every time and then run it from the beginning. Right. So, so to get things in the REPL, the right way to do is we let uh, copy and paste it using like I uh, I don't know, uh, windows T- macros or yeah. something. Right. Or, or Tmux shortcuts. Um, I've, yeah, I've, sure. I've, I've,
1: I've experimented with those kind of things. It's a, uh, it's yet another example of uh, of solving the problem that you probably shouldn't even have, like why uh, right. like why Spring exists in Java. Um, right. We'll just leave, yeah. we'll leave that on the table right there. Just yeah, we'll just we'll leave that the out reader. there, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So obviously, like that's a ridiculous thing. So right. So <clears throat> so what do we do instead? So what we do instead is we, we is
1: you uh, <clears throat> we reach for. Uh, rep, uh, rep, sorry, editor integration. We we basically uh, connect our editor straight to our Repl. We we connect them at the hip, so that now okay there, are, there with are, glue yeah <laughs> with, it, with <laughs> well with the the wonder of nRepL, I mean there are other Repl protocols. N is kind of the most the most popular one right now. Um, yeah, but and there's different ways of doing it in different editors. Uh, you and I happen to use Vim and Fireplace. Um, which works really well. But yeah. it, it, that just really hooks into uh, CIDR, uh, which is the, the Emacs-created integration. Uh, so we get to kind of benefit from all the the, 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 the work that they've done.
0: Yeah. Anyway. Well, aside. so the magic that makes this happen is the REPL has a protocol, right? And then the editor is interacting with that protocol. like Because the editor yeah. is running in a totally different process than Clojure, right? And so and that so has to be gotta, a way of communicating. It, they got to connect. And so how how do they do that?
1: Well, whenever you run the REPL, the, like a line REPL specifically, uh, it opens up an NREPL port. And and it actually writes the port number into a file in that same directory. So when you run your editor, your editor, I mean, this is what Fireplace does, and I assume that other ones do the same thing, is it just looks for that file. And if that file exists, it goes, hey, that's the port I can connect to. And it's what automatically connects. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's really quite nice. I mean, you can, there's ways of connecting manually, but the, the default is that's how I actually found out about it um, the first time. Uh, Because in Vim with with a connected editor, you can do um, shift K, which is basically like show me the documentation for the symbol. And if you're on like Defin and you hit shift K, uh, Vim will show you the documentation. Well, it can show you the documentation because it's actually asking your REPL what the documentation is for, that, for the symbol.
0: Right, right. So basically, the it, it, kind of at a conceptual level, this editor integration can bundle up code fragments. We'll, we'll just call them forms or expressions. Ship them over this protocol to the actual REPL. That thing of runs and evaluates that, and then it ships the output back to the editor. And then the editor can just dis- do do what it will, like display it to you or pop up a window or whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah. It usually just yeah just shows you shows you the result. Uh, pretty printed yeah, down. actually, super which cool. Is nice. so thanks it, for that.
0: It actually is in a, in a certain way quite literally <laughs> copying and pasting the function into the REPL. It's just sort of doing it through a much more sophisticated mechanism uh, of network protocol between your editor and the REPL.
1: Yeah, and it actually does a good job of so the 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 big thing that we kind of we, we didn't really talk too much about was um if you happen to restart your editor or sorry restart your REPL, like so say we were back in our in our, our, our tic tac-toe instance okay. and we go, oh, yeah. oh we forgot to include the the log uh the log library that we want to use. So we we we, ex- we edit the project C L J, we add the logging library, we restart the we restart the REPL. And then we go, okay, now I'm going to get right back to copy and pasting into my REPL. Well, if I copy and paste the function, the handle function, right into the REPL right after it starts, I'm actually putting that into the user namespace, not into the main namespace. So I'm the the, the REPL happily creates a new function for me. It's just my main namespace will never see it because it's not in the right namespace. So I have to coordinate the namespace my REPL is in and the namespace my editor is in. And that is one of the big things that Rebel integration does is no matter what f- namespace, like what, what the file that you're in is the namespace that you're evaluating in. And so you can switch between namespaces right. by switching between files. That's the big, really cool connected, you can actually have multiple namespaces in play at the same time because you have multiple files in play at the same time.
0: Well, so concretely, like how does this, like how does this work? I'm in my editor and I'm staring at my closure source the the cursor is blinking, you know. It's sweet, soothing beat. <laughs> cool and saving. um and so uh then like then what do I do?
1: Uh well I don't know what the commands are for other editors, but in Vim, you would run uh cpp. CPP takes the form that you are currently in, and it and it takes that and it evaluates it in the REPL. Uh, okay, so I gotta it.
0: move my cursor to the thing I want to run.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: And so then I I get on the thing I want to run, and then I'm gonna run like a key sequence. So like Vim will do Cpp. Yeah. Uh, like Vim Fireplace. And uh I, w- I can't speak to Emacs because I don't use that. So so Kit, like, does that run th- like the whole form? Does it like like does it run just the form I'm in and the stuff inside it? Like, what does it do? Well, it's
1: whatever whatever form that you are actually in, uh, the the so to speak, the parentheses that contain your your cursor are the ones that actually is what gets evaluated. So, if you want the entire, like, so say you're you have the def in that we're talking about right now, you need to move your cursor all the way to the the very first parenthesis before def in, and then CPP will evaluate the, that entire. So it's it's the it's the one that you're in, so to speak, and and all the descendants okay. of that.
0: Yeah, so if your cursor's inside the let block but you want to redefine the whole function, you got to navigate to the top and run it from there. Or you know, I think there might be a key sequence for like run the like the outermost form.
1: Yeah, yeah, there, I think there is for, for that something like that.
0: Okay, so I could make I could go into my editor, I could uh, uh, make a line and I could do uh, parentheses plus space one space one parentheses. I highlight that line, and I type CPP in Vim. So I type my key sequence, and then boom, what happens?
1: Uh, at the bottom of your screen, there will be a little 2 shows up. <laughs> and, it, and it'll and it show up pretty quick, even if it has to connect to the NREPL, because the, the negotiation process is pretty fast. Um, so that's, that's right. another and cool s- thing, is not only are you... Like, you you aren't defining a new... Function, you're just running code. Like it's not just about defining and redefining parts of your application. You can actually run parts of your application too. That's the nifty thing.
0: Okay, so like I could I could make a function just for fun, you know, called like um, hello world <laughs> def in hello dash world. And then the body of the function is like a print line, hello world. So I can how do I run that function?
1: Well, so you well, first you'd evaluate that function so that it would that it exists. You have to CPP on that function, but then underneath it, you could just have open parentheses, hello world, close parenthesis, and then run that, and and, okay, your, yeah. and it'll show it'll show the I think it'll show in the bottom of the editor window, hello world.
0: Right. And so if you reload the whole namespace. Um, like if you go into the REPL, like with your cursor in the REPL, you focus REPL and you reload the whole namespace, you'll actually see a print, a print line show up, (laughs) right? Because like, it's a LISP, So it just goes through your file. It evaluates all the outer forms. You had this like parentheses, you know, call to hello world. And so it, it had just dutifully loaded your def in and then it went on to the next form, which is call hello world. So it prints it out and then it just keeps going through the file from there.
1: Yeah, totally. Uh, this is why I usually prefix mine with a uh, uh, the pound underscore or a comment block.
0: Oh yeah, I've I've seen this in different uh, repos. Like if you're browsing on GitHub, uh, you'll see at a bot at the bottom of a file like a uh, comment block. So it looks like a function call to a function called comment. <laughs> and so yeah, it's parentheses comment and then a whole bunch of stuff in there.
1: Yeah, I've actually even seen it in, in core closure source code. So it's definitely something right. that even even the, the greats among us use.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so then you can tuck away little expressions in there so that when you load the namespace, it won't start getting executed, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's quite convenient for like, you know, Here's uh, especially it works mostly for functions that uh, are are pure so that you don't have, you don't want those to go off and do a whole bunch of stuff. Although maybe you do, like uh, you never you never know. Um, but what, but it's like, oh, sure. I want to call it with this arg or with this function. this. And one of the cool things about having it up there, so what you could do is you could redefine your function and then go then then switch to your your REPL and run your function in a bunch of different ways. Uh, but then sure. the 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 invocations to the function and the function itself are kind of in two different places. So if you want to save those those different invocations kind of as notes or as hints for the future development, you can actually just put them in a comment block. So now it's, it's, it's like it carries along example uses along, along with the code.
0: Okay. So, so at the bottom of main, we can make a comment block and let's say we make this function called start server. And so then in the comment block, we call the function start server, right? And then, um, so we go down there and then we just run it using our repl. Integration. We do our key sequence and it runs start server. And then let's say we have this other function, the handler, that that the route gets pointed to. And so we go mm-hmm. in, into our handler function, and then we add our print line, and then we use our key sequence to reevaluate the def and then boom, that new function will be installed. So the very next request is going to have a different print line. And then we we like oh. Oops, I fat fingered the formatting of the string or something. Oh, I had a typo. So we fix the string up the way we want it. We do our key sequence on the def in again. And without having to restart the server, without having to do anything, boom, the next request is going to show the new print line.
1: Yeah. In fact, we can do the whole thing without even, we can start our editor and then minimize that window and do everything from the editor.
0: Oh, yeah. So right. now we don't so have now, to go over to the REPL at all. But it's, we're using the Repl without going to like we're using the Repl without using the Repl, right?
1: Yeah, we're using a. It's a higher order Repl. Uh, it's a it's a higher <laughs> nice. level Repl. It's a Repl is a is an editor as a first class. I mean, let's use all the right buzzwords.
0: Um, but it really, I it, guess, a, I guess discrep- a higher order Repl would allow Repls as first class arguments to Repls. <laughs> uh,
1: yes, and that 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 sound you hear is the rubber band snapping on that metaphor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So, but editor yeah, integration so it, really is a superpower. It's it's something that you don't get in other languages.
0: Yeah, it seems like it has a lot of potential.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah, w- once you once you can start running forms from your editor, you can do all kinds of other things like code exploration. You can do um, uh, like uh, it allows you to share whole uh, t- whole ideas with other people uh, because. Once you move things from out of the Repl into things like code that you can commit, um, it really opens a lot of a lot of new possibilities up. Uh, a lot of possibilities that we kind of don't have time for.
0: <laughs> right. It sounds like we have another week of Repl ahead of us. Yeah, golly, I thought we were going to get
1: to there uh, this week, but I think I think we'll have a, a good meal for next week on all of the all the things we can do with this Repl integration.
0: Yes, us us Clojurians, we definitely love our Repl. <laughs> Yep. Well, that that'll be fun to get to next week and go through that. Uh, definitely has been fun as this this talk on the repl We've gotten some great feedback uh, on Twitter and email. Thank you so much for uh, dropping us an email or hitting us up on Twitter. In particular, Leandro TK hit us up on Twitter with a suggestion. He thought it'd be great if we were to set up a YouTube channel. Because sometimes it's a little hard to follow along with code when we're just using words and there's nothing really to look at. What do you think? Let us know. Send us an email at feedback at closuredesign.club or hit us up on Twitter at ClosureDesign and let us know what you think about his idea of doing a YouTube channel.
1: Yes, that would be a really interesting thing. So you can also find our other our past show and uh, notes on the web at ClosureDesign.club. We have a couple of there. We mentioned the, the uh, tic-tac-toe storyline, but there's also a whole one on Twitter.
0: Yeah. Well, that's going to be it for this week. We'll be back next week with even more REPL and tell them, remember that in the REPL, the form is the substance.